The pitter-patter of tiny feet scurrying around the bed. A fleeting glimpse of a tokolosh fills you full of dread. Someone really hates you for whatever you've done. Beside the bed, the tokolosh is waiting to have his fun. The Tokolosh by Festus Anderson In the country of South Africa and neighboring nations, a diminutive demon is plaguing the area, causing panic to break out amongst the population. This creature is the perpetrator of several thefts, illnesses, attacks, and other evil deeds. The hardships it creates are tangible and affect the peoples of Southern Africa in a very real way. So sleep with one eye open, as tonight is the night of the terrible Tokolosh on this mischievous episode of Snipe Hunt. Welcome back to Snipe Hunt, your frightening folklore podcast. I am your Toka host, Darren Young. Gary is MIA, as his work schedule is insane. So, love you, Gary Bear. This one's for you. So, for this one, it's just you and me, dear listener. Thank you for joining me tonight to explore the strange African evil spirit, zombie goblin, sleep demon, water sprite, hairy dwarf thing known as the Tokolosh. I believe this is our first foray into Africa proper, excluding Egypt, and I guess excluding the Haunted Doll episode. So what is this thing exactly? Also referred to as Tokoloshi, Tokoloshe, Tikolosh, or Hili, this creature wears many hats. Metaphorical hats, of course, as it's often naked. But one thing everyone can agree on is that they're bad news. This ever-evolving mischievous malefactor comes to us from Bantu, Zulu, Zosa, and other southern African mythologies, and most people have run-ins with this thing in the country of South Africa, the birthplace of Charlize Theron. The Tokolosh is kind of a general-purpose evil spirit, at best used to scare naughty children, but at worst can cause the illness or death of its victim. Sometimes a pastor or other religious leader is called in to drive it off, and often it is used tongue-in-cheek to blame for any minor inconvenience or fortune. Here in America, we might blame similar things on gremlins. Missing the left sock of your favorite pair? Gremlins. Or in this case, Tokolosh. So here in this episode, we will break down the many faucets of the Tokolosh and its real-life impact in the lives of the peoples of Southern Africa. It was actually really difficult to find any specifics of this creature on the internet, so I got nearly all my information from the book, Terror of the Tokolosh, by S.D. Tucker. So definitely check out the book. The author goes into a sane detail on the subject, as well as adjacent subjects. And there's there's some pretty weird stuff in there. So if you're into that, definitely check it out. I will warn you that this episode will contain instances of sexual assault. So if that's something you'd rather not hear about, please just check out another episode. And yes, I do have to include it, as it's an integral part of the folklore of the Tokolosh, which is very unfortunate, but sometimes folklore is very dark. So I will include like a little explicit tag on this as well. Um, I've done that with a couple other episodes. I decided to give you a little heads up up top this time. 
So let's go ahead and get a picture of this thing in our head so we know what to visualize going forward. So not exactly a definition, as a single definition is hard to pin down for this goblin. Definition Man is not here, but I will go ahead and tell you what the Tokolosh looks like. Despite countless encounters with the Tokolosh, its physical description is very vague, most likely due to the fact that it prefers to remain invisible, which it can do by either swallowing water or a stone. Don't ask me how that works. But if one does spot this thing, that person will see a short, hairy, often primate-like goblin with a large head, snake-like eyes, and clawed hands. Sometimes it will don a cloth or an animal skin, but is often naked. Its decision to be naked might be one of practicality, as the Tokolosh has a uh, disproportionately large penis, which it likes to sling over its shoulder to prevent it from dragging on the ground. So yeah, we're, we're getting right into it. Let's move on. <laughs> no comments. As far as origins go, this furry fiend seemed to start out as a mischievous water sprite. The name Tokolosh could have its origin in the Zosa language with the word, oh man, Uthikolosh, which was a word used to refer to an imp-like water spirit in the folklore of the Zosa people. But of course, folklore evolves and mutates. Soon the lore of the Tokolosh spread to other cultures and other African countries which view the Tokolosh through their own cultural lens. Sometimes, the Tokolosh would be a sleep demon, a malevolent force that would choke the life of its sleeping victims. People and even entire families would sometimes be found dead in the morning, seemingly dying in their sleep. The work of the Tokolosh. One way to prevent these nocturnal assaults would be to elevate your bed off the ground, making it impossible for the pint-sized goblin to reach your neck. I guess they're unable to stand on their tippy toes. Traditionally, the Bantu people would sleep on mats on the ground, surrounding a warm fire to keep them comfortable during the cold winter nights. The theory is that sleeping this close to the fire in an enclosed space would deplete oxygen levels and create carbon monoxide. As this deadly gas is heavier than air, it would sink to the ground where the victims slept, killing them in their sleep. So it's possible that elevating their beds might have not actually been stopping a tokolosh, but might have been saving them from lethal carbon monoxide gas. Now keep in mind, this is just a theory. There's no proof of this, any more that there is proof of the Tokolosh. Sometimes the Tokolosh retained its association with water, making its lair in nearby bodies of water. Other times it was a mind-dwelling dwarf, similar to that of European fairy creatures like gnomes and kobolds. As the local river deity of the Zosa people spread, it's possible that this concept of an outside deity was not accepted by other cultures and so developed a negative reputation and began to be associated with demons and witches. Now this Tokolosh falls into what I like to refer to as a folklore archetype. This archetype being the short, often hairy man of sorts. We've already mentioned a couple with gnomes and kobolds, um, a similar creature. In this same archetype is the Pukwaji of American Indian lore, which I believe we covered in our Bridgewater Triangle episode. According to Wampanoag legend, the Pukwaji is a small, hairy, malevolent, and mischievous humanoid that can disappear at will and likes to terrorize humans. Sounds familiar. The Tokolosh also bears a physical resemblance to the English-slash-Scottish fairy creature called the Brownie. A far cry from the delicious chocolate treat, a brownie in folklore was a short, ugly creature with brown skin and covered in brown hair. These creatures, although frightening, 
would often reside in the unused spaces of houses and help out with the household and help out with household chores. Think of it as a very terrifying Roomba. If brownies were given clothing by the owners of the house that they worked in, the brownie would leave forever, now free from the curse of servitude. If this sounds familiar, it is because J.K. Rowling incorporated this English lore into her Harry Potter novels in the form of the house elf, the most famous of these being Dobby. Now, the Scottish version of brownies were much less domestic. Very much like the Tokolosh, these brownies would often reside in the wild near rivers, streams, or other bodies of water. All brownies could also turn invisible, very much like its African goblin counterpart. Now, many of these similarities to European fairy folk may be due to Europeans entering the country and making unfair comparisons to the Tokolosh. However, this is accurate to the Tokolosh mythos today. Now, a small supernatural entity performing tasks for its human masters should sound familiar, pun intended, as we have covered the concept of familiars on this podcast before. A familiar is an entity that would assist witches in their use of magic, in addition to acting as a general servant. The same can apply to the Tokolosh, as there have been accounts of witches making good use of their Tokolosh servants, sometimes even taking them to bed, as apparently sex with the Tokolosh is much more pleasurable than that of a human man. Yeah, we're gonna get weird. The association between Tokolosh and sex may have started here. Witches in old European folklore and African folklore are generally considered holy evil, a perversion of societal norms. And so, evil witches must only desire more evil things, like money, power, and of course, sex out of wedlock. Dun dun. With just about anything too including their demonic servants. Now referring to goblin employing witches in Africa, I am referring to the evil Sangoma. Sangomas are traditionally Zulu priests, healers, diviners, spiritual guides, etc. that will perform spiritual services or rituals in order to cure illnesses or promote well-being. But these Sangomas have the capability to turn to the dark side and become evil sorcerers, summoners of Tokolosh. Sounds like a great band name. So how does an evil Sangoma attain a Tokolosh? Well, there are many ways depending on what you believe the carnal critter is. There is the Christian view, which states that these hairy beings are sent up by the devil himself to aid his witchy servants. Sometimes the witch has to rub down the corpse of a dog, cat, or even a child with magical animal fat, which will transform the cadaver into this two-foot terror. Sometimes they are holy spiritual beings that witches inherit from their mothers. Sometimes the tokolosh is grown from a magical root, like the mandrakes of European folklore and also Harry Potter. Sometimes the witch itself is the tokolosh, transforming herself or himself into a raping monstrosity. Now the most metal way a witch obtains a tokolosh is by creating a zombie of sorts. With this method, the sorcerer or sorceress obtains a fresh corpse from a graveyard, often that of a child. Then the eyes of the corpse must be removed, and then a red-hot rod of iron is inserted through the empty sockets into the skull, causing the body to magically shrink down to dwarf size. Then a magical powder is blown into the mouth of the cadaver while the magical incantations are chanted, which imbues life and a sense of obedience in the newly created Tokolosh. The witch or warlock can then keep this Frankenstein for themselves, 
or can even sell it off for a profit. But the servitude of this diminutive demon isn't free. It demands a price. It demands a soul. But not the soul of the summoner. It chooses the soul of a loved one. Whose soul and when it collects is up to the Tokolosh itself. Most often these things are summoned out of a desire for revenge, and so that desire must be strong enough that the summoner is willing to make a sacrifice. And so once the Sangoma has attained his demonic servant, the witch doctor will sick the Tokolosh on his enemies, causing havoc and hardship upon them. Now all of this may sound strange to our western ears, but belief in the supernatural and particularly that of witchcraft is very prevalent in many parts of Africa. In one province of South Africa alone, over 200 people were hanged for witchcraft between 1985 and 1995, so very recently. In Tanzania, on the eastern side of the continent, over 5,000 accused sorcerers were killed by mobs in a span of just four years in the mid-90s. So keep in mind that the fear, the fear of these evil forces is very real, even if the evil forces themselves may or may not be. Now before we mention that the Tokolosh can turn himself invisible, either by swallowing water or a stone. Why it needs to consume these objects to activate this ability is unknown. But according to the lore, these invisible goblins can be responsible for poltergeist-like hauntings. Victims of a Tokolosh haunting may expect prank-like activities, like a shampoo being smeared on them while they sleep, doors being held shut, and even goblin-induced irritable bowels. In addition, more traditional poltergeist activity occurs, such as furniture being moved, objects being thrown or smashed, threatening messages on the walls, or even fires being started. Okay, now let's get into some Tokolosh-related happenings started with the Pinky Pinky pandemic of the 90s. And trust me, it's not as cute as it sounds. Definitely not. The Pinky Pinky, or just Pinky for short, seems to be an albino subspecies of the Tokolosh, with white hair and pink skin. This one does wear clothes, as it is half male and half female, and wears trousers on one half of the body and a dress on the other half. Of course it does. Now don't let this comical appearance fool you. This pink predator is a menace, causing injury and even sexually assaulting humans. This Tokolosh seems to be pedophilic in nature, as it is obsessed with schoolgirls and enjoys stealing their pink panties which is the activity that earned it the name Pinky Pinky. Only girls would be able to actually see this creature, but boys would be able to feel any slaps or scratches made by its invisible claws. Adults, however, were unable to perceive this pedophilic pink panty possessor. Rumor of this entity spread all across South Africa, allegedly originating in the Johannesburg area. One intense case of this scare occurred at the Moratelli Primary School in the township of Mamelodi in 1994. The hysteria among the students was so great, they became terrified that the teachers of the school couldn't control them, and so they called the police. Lieutenant Elias Masuele came to the school after the call and was under the impression he was investigating a case of child molestation, but soon found it was much more than that. The female students relayed tales of being raped by Pinky Pinky and reported their panties stolen. The male students claimed that they were being slapped by the creature and having their socks stolen. 
Lieutenant Masuele went and investigated the bathrooms, as this was where Pinky was said to reside. But of course, being an adult, he could see nothing. The schoolchildren offered their assistance, and offered to conjure the creature by chanting a song they themselves made up. The children gathered in the bathroom and sang the following. My name is Pinky Pinky, I live in a toilet. My father is a Sangoma, and my mother is a witch. The summoning ritual allegedly worked, as all the students came running out of the school in terror. An enraged parent then arrived with a large monkey wrench, attending to kill the creature, and charged into the school. However, he's who came back out in a state of terror, as he claimed that he was touched by an invisible force. This adult confirmation resulted in an entire mob of angry parents arriving at the school the next day, demanding that the bathrooms be burnt down in order to kill the Pinky Pinky. But cooler heads prevailed and the parents began questioning their children. They soon found out that none of their accounts seemed to match in the slightest. The mob determined that the children made up the whole disturbing phenomena and spurred on each other into a spiral of mass hysteria and quickly dispersed. Now here's a quick reminder from Substitute Definition Man. Mass hysteria refers to an outbreak of unusual and uncharacteristic behaviors, thoughts and feelings, or health symptoms shared among a group of people. So there have been several outbreaks of this kind of tokolosh hysteria among several schools in South Africa, and even some outside of its borders. The common thread amongst all these cases is that it primarily harasses young girls. Whereas general school-related stress and the infectious imaginations of young students might be a contributing factor to these pinky-pinky-type legends, there is likely another unfortunate cause. According to author Claudia Mitchell, the schoolhouse tokolosh may be a manifestation of the fears and anxieties of young girls going through adolescence and entering the adult world. Their bodies and their social standings change during this time, which can be concerning in South Africa specifically as the country has an extremely high rate of rape and molestation. Some studies have shown that over 40% of women in South Africa have been raped in their lifetime, and a 2009 survey revealed that 25% of male respondents openly admitted to having raped someone. Now, we aren't raking South Africa over the coals, as we have nothing against the birthplace of Charlize Theron, but I included these studies as they give us an important context for this particular subject. Okay, now that I've covered my ass, I'll go ahead and continue. Mitchell's essay highlights that casual molestation of South African female students is common among male students and even among the school administration. Pinky Pinky's haunting in the bathroom may further bolster this theory, as these sexual assaults often take place in these spaces. As mentioned earlier, belief in the supernatural is much higher in Sub-Saharan Africa than it is in the West. So this combined with the very real possibility of sexual assault and the general stress of everyday life may have manifested into the aspects of the Tokolosh, not just among schools, but among all of Southern Africa. Okay, obviously we're not at a fun part of the show, but bear with me. Indeed, the Tokolosh rapist concept may be a folkloric manifestation of perverted sexual desire as it seems to be inseparable from this male-only creature. There have been many accounts of a tokolosh sexually assaulting both men and women while they slept, reminiscent of incubus lore. Tokolosh are the go-to scapegoat of southern Africa, even being blamed for the high rate of AIDS in that area of the world. Zimbabwe has a sort of trade union of Sangomas, and the former head of that group, Boniface Makone, I think that's how you say it, 
said that the Tokolosh would drink the blood of several victims, and in performing this vampiric act, would mingle the blood and contribute the spread of AIDS. There has even been one account of a Tokolosh straight up telling his victim, I am going to give you AIDS. Accounts like these resulted in strange headlines of newspapers, such as the infamous Daily Sun's March 2006 cover story, Gay Tokolosh Gave Me AIDS, Sorry, as well as Terror of the Gay Tokolosh. Hmm, wonderful. Of course, being homosexual in Southern Africa is largely taboo, so it is easier to blame the Tokolosh than it is to confront an alternative sexuality in these instances. Even wet dreams were to blame on the Tokolosh, as there are accounts of these supernatural creatures appearing in the dreams of their victims, and some might wake to see a shadowy mass sitting on them, unable to move. This, of course, is another folkloric explanation of sleep paralysis, as we covered extensively in episode 19, cleverly titled Sleep Paralysis. The Tokolosh, or at least the local evil wizard and his pet Tokolosh, are sometimes blamed for infertility or even miscarriages. Curiously enough, baboons, who happen to be roughly the same size and shape as our primate-like gremlin, also similarly threaten pregnancies. According to local lore, if a pregnant woman walked on the same ground as a baboon, or ate something a baboon had touched, her fetus would fall ill. This imaginary baboon sickness, called Baguera Babana, would supposedly cause the fetus to have convulsions in the womb. As the Tokolosh is often inculpated for seemingly every sexual taboo, it might very well be that humans are responsible for these sexual assaults. It is much more difficult to prosecute the paranormal than it is an actual person. Like I said earlier, folklore is sometimes very dark. But remember, these creatures aren't just sexual deviants. They are a nearly all-encompassing supernatural phenomenon. As mentioned at the beginning, when the Tokolosh is obtained by a Sangoma or other sorcerer, it almost always has to obey its master. This had led to self-proclaimed witch doctors selling alleged Tokolosh to desperate people, with promises of luck and fortune the enslaved being might bring. This is the case in Zimbabwe with the Chikwambo. Now the word Chikwambo can refer to many things, but in the case of tonight's subject, the Chikwambo is the poorly made doll or object of some sort created to resemble the grotesque gremlin. These Chikwambo dolls are allegedly imbued with magical Tokolosh power, or even possessed by the Tokolosh itself in order to bring fortune to its wielder, or to be used in dark magic rituals. In 2012, a Zimbabwean man named Malabeni Malanga purchased five of these goblin containers in order to bring him wealth. However, the Inyanga, the sorcerer, who created these Chikwambos died, which released the enslaved Tokoloshes from his control and they immediately started terrorizing Malanga and his family. These Tokolosh assaulted Malanga's wife, Margaret, and Malanga himself started to piss blood. An exorcist was able to kill three of these dastardly demons. And it doesn't say why he couldn't kill the rest. Oh well. Soon Margaret's handbag began to mysteriously increase in size, and the couple called out another exorcist to take a look. In the bag, the holy man found two snakes and some kind of figure that resembled a goblin mixed with an owl. The exorcist ripped open the grotesque doll and found a picture of the couple's son inside, indicating that this Chikwambo 
was an intentional curse targeting the family. Even after this, the curse continued, even plaguing the neighbors who were reportedly being attacked in their sleep by gnomes. The Malanga family was soon forced to move by their angry neighbors. Now, this account is interesting because I've never heard of a haunting, or in this case, I guess an intentional curse being placed on a household affecting the neighbors so much. Usually it's just confined to at least the building itself. It doesn't really go outside of that. But in this case, uh, neighbors were beginning to uh, experience their own haunting just by being close to this. So interesting at the very least. Now it should be clear by now that the Tokolosh mostly terrorizes, well, invisible, at least to most people. So let's take a look at a couple of Tokolosh poltergeists. First, we meet 12-year-old. Oh man, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this. I'm going to spell it out for you because it's a very interesting name. It's uh, T-S-M-A-I-S-O. I'm going to go with Smiso. So we meet Smiso Sajake of Montalanyane Village in South Africa. Sure, let's go with those pronunciations. In January of 2000, Smiso started seeing a, quote, short old man who would suddenly appear and slap the boy silly. He told his parents, who concluded that these slap attacks were the work of a tokolosh. Soon the parents' wardrobe would move in the middle of the night without a sound. Also, kitchen utensils would be found strewn about the bedrooms. But this was only the beginning of these mischievous pranks. The Sajake family started waking up with shampoo and lotion smeared all over them. The chain for the toilet flusher would go missing, and doors were being held shut by an invisible force. Pinches were being felt by an unseen hand. Household objects were being thrown and smashed, and the ghostly goblin would even carry the children out of their rooms while they slept, leaving them to wake up in the kitchen or even out in the yard. All while the Tokolosh could only be seen by young Smiso. Holy men were called to try to exercise the spectral sword stack, but these efforts would prove unfruitful, as the paranormal activity would double as soon as the holy men left. There is one small silver lining though. This Tokolosh would actually help the family at times, perhaps feeling guilty for its constant mischief. Several times after cooking a meal, Mrs. Sajake would turn around to find all the pots, pans, and plates were mysteriously cleaned in an instant, presumably washed by the helpful brownie. No word on whatever became of the Sajake family, but hopefully their tokolosh became more of a help to the family rather than a nuisance. So here we get that classic dual nature of folklore, where a being can be extremely terrible, but also extremely beneficial. In this case, very much taking on the role of the house elf or the brownie, as we discussed earlier. Another encounter was posted in a 2010 internet message board by an anonymous South African man. He claimed that one night in 1992, he was sleeping over at a girlfriend's house and was rudely awoken by the sudden emptying of his bowels, in which what he described as, quote, the quickest diarrhea of his life. Fearing another bout, the man ran out of the bedroom to go to the outside toilet. However, he was unable to get outside as the door was being held shut by an invisible force. Suddenly, bottles, pots, ashtrays, and other objects were being hurled at the poor man, hitting him in the walls behind him. 
After struggling for several seconds, he was finally able to open the door and retreat to the toilet, where he remained for 15 minutes. And yes, 15 minutes exactly, as it was mentioned in the story. Upon returning inside, all was quiet, except all the living room furniture had been overturned. Of course, he explained to his girlfriend that this was the work of a tokolosh, and not a diarrhea-induced rage. But like I said earlier, the tokolosh is the scapegoat for all things, so who knows what actually happened. Alright, let's move on. So why are tokolosh small, hairy dwarfs? Are there any real-life creatures that could be mistaken as one of these tiny terrors in South Africa? There are, actually. Monkeys. Specifically, baboons. Specifically, the chakma baboon. The chakma baboon is one of the longest and heaviest species of monkey. Although not as heavy as its cousin the mandrill, the male chakma can be nearly 4 feet long, and not including the tail, can weigh as much as 98 pounds. The chakma baboon is covered in long, dark brown and gray fur, and sports a tail as well as a canine-like muzzle. Of course, they have the signature swelling baboon butts to let females know that it is sexy time. They range all over southern Africa, including the countries of South Africa and Zimbabwe. As briefly mentioned earlier, there is negative folklore surrounding these baboons. Perhaps this is due to their negative reputation as they are known to attack each other and even humans, steal food, and have an oppressive sex drive. Sound like a tokolosh yet? Much like a black cat is the go-to familiar for the western witch, the baboon in this part of Africa is the standard witch's familiar. It is believed that the witch either transforms into a baboon to wreak havoc upon the innocent, or that the witch sends out the familiar from its lair to do the witch's bidding. And I gotta say, baboon being a witch's familiar is much more terrifying than a black cat, in my personal opinion. There have been several cases of locals capturing and executing baboons and other primates, believing that it is in service of a witch. In a 2008 example, a panic took a hold of the village of... Hmm... Nezelele, located in South Africa. It was believed that a tokolosh had taken on the form of a baboon It was terrorizing the village at night. Eventually, the villagers found and killed the creature, or at least killed a very unlucky baboon, and in its possession was a gold necklace, clearly the wages for being in service to a witch. The villagers decided that a six-year-old Christian woman named Macwarella Macalamiella, not even close, but we'll go with it, was the witch for some unknown reason and brought the baboon corpse to her house and began threatening the poor old woman. The police arrived but did nothing to disperse the crowd, and they actually seemed to side with the mob, leaving the woman and her grandchildren terrified. Luckily, however, the mob soon dispersed without harming anyone. A similar case of an animal misidentified as a tokolosh occurred in 2012, when a thick-tailed bush baby, a type of lemur, was stoned to death, as its human-like hands and penis were proof that it was the grotesque goblin of lore. So are these animals to blame for the existence of the tokolosh? The baboons in particular are mischievous, can look demonic due to their large maw full of canine-like teeth, and can even seem human with their physical similarities and behaviors. It could be that these primates definitely contributed to the lore, but are not actually the little tokolosh. They might have inspired them in appearance only, or at least factored into the hairy appearance of the tokolosh, but I don't think these things are to blame for the whole thing. Now obviously, the tokolosh sounds like the worst possible paranormal creature there is, but I don't believe that was always the case. 
All the research I've done mentioned that the Tokolosh can be a fun-loving but mischievous prankster. A far cry from the disgusting demon we have been discussing all episode. The prankster side is highlighted in the book Tales of the Tokolos by Pieter Schultz, where he recounts fairy tales that paint the Tokolosh in a notably more positive light. It is possible that back in its water sprite days, the Tokolosh was a mostly mischievous creature, only evolving into the evil entity after several decades of cultural change. The case of the Sajake family poltergeist might just prove this, as their Tokolosh was mostly just mischievous and even helped out around the house. But it could be that in the countries of southern Africa, the Tokolosh is the ultimate scapegoat, blamed for the evil actions perpetrated by humans. As the overused age-old cliché goes, perhaps humans are the real monsters. We mentioned that it is a common expression to blame the Tokolosh for minor inconveniences, much like the gremlin of the Western world. But likely it goes much further than that. Wet dream? Blame the Tokolosh. Unwanted pregnancy? Not our fault. Blame the Tokolosh. You contracted AIDS? Blame the Tokolosh. Sexually assaulted? Not anyone's fault. But the Tokolosh. And that's it. That's all I have on the terrible Tokolosh. Folklore is always changing and evolving with the times, and the many faces of this furry fiend is a prime example of that. From mischievous water sprite to diabolical demon, the Tokolosh is likely to continue to change along with the times. So if you like the show, leave us a rating on whatever app you use that lets you leave one. Spotify and my favorite app, Podcast Addict, lets you leave ratings, so those are good alternatives to the Apple Podcast app. Leave us as many stars as possible, and leave a comment on why you like the show. Please follow us on social media, send us a message about anything, we would love to hear from you guys. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, and TikTok, which Gary still has not made one for, to my knowledge. The links to most of these are in the show notes of this episode. Remember that this episode was a patron-voted episode, so check out our tiers on Patreon to see if you are interested in voting for future episodes and or the bonus content we have on there, including early access to our episodes via the raw and uncut versions, which I will be posting to as soon as I get done recording tonight. A link to our Patreon page can also be found in the show notes. So I'll just give you a quick breakdown of the tiers since I'm by myself. So on Patreon, you have the $1 tier, which will get you access to topic voting, and we'll get you a shout out, of course, uh, $5 will give you bonus audio as well as topic voting and a shout out, and then $10, which I don't expect anyone else because that's close friends of mine to subscribe to, gets you the raw and uncut versions, which are the versions that I record, but I don't cut any of the bloopers out of, and you, you still get the good uh, audio quality and all that good stuff, but you get to hear all of our mess ups, and you get them super early. Like I said, I'm posting it tonight. As well as topic voting bonus audios and shout out, you get the deal. So if you have a topic suggestion, a question, a comment, a criticism, or if you have a story about the Tokolosh or anything else, please contact us on social media or email us at snipehuntpodcast at gmail.com and let us know if you'd like to hear your personal paranormal story in one of our counters episodes. I know the stories are out there, so please send them in either by emailing them to me in text so I can read them or record yourself and email that. I will be more than happy to play it and talk about it on the show. 
All right, now I will get out my app and spin the wheel of folklore to find the next patron-voted episode, as, as far as I know, they're still all tied. So let's see what the subject of the next episode will be. How exciting. Here we go. It looks like next episode is going to be about Slenderman and other internet monsters. So I'm pretty sure most of you are familiar with Slenderman, so I won't bother giving you a small explanation. But I will mention that we will talk about other internet monsters as well, such as the infamous Momo, which is probably the most recent, most famous one that I can think of to date. So tune in for that. So let's go ahead and end on the final joke. What do you call a vampire goblin? Any guesses? You clearly call it a hemogoblin. <laughs> Thank you for listening. The Tokolosh is a complex creature. It wears many faces and is blamed for every evil act. But does it deserve this reputation? Well, yes and no. There's certainly no such thing as a completely good goblin, but the scapegoating of the Tokolosh seems unfair. Perhaps the most evil creatures in folklore are humans themselves. However, a Tokolosh can still be fully malevolent and can still cause you harm. So keep your bed up high, dear listener, as under that bed might just lurk frightening folklore. Once again, we want to thank you for listening to Snipe Hunt. Your listening has been noted and will be reported to the proper authorities. All audio used was done so under fair use. The music you have heard in this episode was composed by Mayu, Nature World 1986, and Festlian Studios. We'll continue to search for the unexplained and hopefully see you on the next hunt.